welcome to the the um inaugural a spiritual successor of uh, me and the N3, perhaps. Yeah. Me and son of me and the N3. <laughs> me and the daughter N3 of me and two electric boogaloo. <laughs> Welcome to Venice Place. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> Venice Place Live. Oh, I like yeah. that. Yeah, Venice Place Live. Where the carpet is shaggy and the music is smooth. <laughs> it's ugly smooth. <laughs> we need some music, man. Oh, we can put some music in. That's no problem. Yeah, yeah. We'll put some music in later. <laughs> some smooth tunes. <laughs> I'm mentally adding about 50 houseplants to my place right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lot of trailing ivy. <laughs> hey, hey. First, first things first, cat litter pan. Cat litter pan and trailing ferns. <laughs> I I could kill kudzu, folks, so y'all got all the greenery. All right, so you should introduce yourselves. I'm Monica, a.k.a. Garadab. Hi, I'm Motzer, also known as Motzer the Fantasy Menace, also known as Vicky. I am Agent Molo, also known as Morgan Logan and SDF on AO3. And today we're going to be talking about Molo's incredible body of work. <laughs> I thought we were talking about how Starsky and Hutch has changed over the over the years. I, I, mm. I, I didn't I didn't know this was going to be about my body of work. <laughs> we're fangirling here. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> we we could start with one and segue into the other. All right. All right. Yes. All right. All right. All right. All right. Okay. Well, in Molo, it's it's your it's your fault. I'm into Slash, so. Oh really? Did I? Yes. Oh god, that's so awesome. Because I wish I could go back in time in 2004, and find and bookmark the first Slash story I ever read by accident. <laughs> when I was yeah. looking, I was looking for season two of Starsky and Hutch. Uh, you know. My brother and I were watching season one. He was going through chemo, and we were like trying to find distractions. And you know, we were going through season one, and we were reminiscing about Starsky and Hutch when we were kids. And we were looking for—I was looking for season two because we were almost done with season one. And I found the Starsky and Hutch virtual season, <laughs> which was not. <laughs> Which absolutely was not season two of Starsky and Hutch, but was rather some, you know, uh, fan collaboration of people getting together and writing what should have been the virtual seasons after season five. <laughs> and it was really slashy. Was that your first experience with fan fiction also? Oh, yes. I had no idea what I was stepping ah. into. <laughs> I wish I could go back in time and bookmark that first story I read where they were off in a cabin somewhere and then all of a sudden Star Starsky dropped to his knees and gave Hutch a blowjob. I was like, what just happened? <laughs> I don't know, but it was really hot. <laughs> 
Did you share this with your brother? <laughs> oh yeah, I totally told him about <laughs> it. And he's like, I don't, I don't want any part of that. I'm like, I don't care. I'm like, <laughs> this is really fun shit. <laughs> and I think, I don't know. I think it was like maybe two months later that I wrote my first story, my first fiction story ever, uh, which was blue. Holy shit. It must not have been long because you put your you put the date you wrote each story at the end on AO3 and and I remember like yeah. 2004 2005 stories. Yeah. Yeah, it was July, it was July. I think it was July. Steven was going through chemo in July, so it was sometime I think it was like sometime in September that I or August or September that I wrote Blue. So yeah, it was just a couple of wow. months later that I wrote my first fiction story ever. I remember thinking, God, how do I get him to move from like the bedroom to the bathroom? <laughs> like, you know, all these things that, that I guess writers take for granted seem so impossible to me now, like blocking, stuff like that. But I just worked it out. And then Flamingo came along. I wrote Flamingo this long letter about how her fiction had like saved my life, you know, Starsky and Hutch had saved my life because really I, my, my brother is just the most important person in my life and, and he was dying of cancer. And so I was like, I was losing my mind and, and seriously, like finding fandom had really given me an outlet for my grief and my, you know, my agony over the whole thing. And I found like death fic and it gave me an outlet for my, my grief and my rage. And, and just like the whole thing was just really this, you know, huge thing in my life right at the time that I needed it. And so I wrote to Flamingo because, you know, she was the center of, of Starsky and Hutch. And I wrote her this letter saying, you don't have any idea how important this was finding this, you know, in, at this point in my life. And she wrote me back. You know, this wonderful letter and she also offered to sort of coach me on writing stuff and she uh printed one of my stories and you know gave me editing tips and stuff like that so she really started me off on on doing on learning the better habits of writing she she is well she's the great pink goddess of the galaxy but <laughs> she is Hearing your story, there's such a parallel to how Matzer got into Starsky and Hutch fandom. Um, my my brother's fine, by the way. He's still in remission. Yay! Yeah, I'm so happy to hear that. He's he's doing great. So happy ending there. He still doesn't boy. want to hear about the slash Starsky and Hutch. I'm guessing. <laughs> no, I tell him about my stories. You know, I mean, you ah. know, yeah. He thinks it's a weird preoccupation, but you know, whatever. You know, I don't say anything about his, you know, his, <laughs> his obsession. Yeah, I think golf is weird. So he has a boat for crying out loud. Like what a waste <laughs> of time. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. What were you saying about uh, Matsur? How did you get into fandom? Well, I had, I had touched on Slash and Kirk and Spock before and didn't really enjoy it. I couldn't see it. But my, uh, my best friend of more than 30 years, developed stage four cancer. And she lived in Florida and was basically by herself with two really high special need kids. 
So I started traveling between Portland, Oregon and Florida at least once a month and staying for 10 to days to two weeks, yeah. trying to fight with bureaucracy, fight with hospitals, fight with, you know. And I needed something to distract myself. I was, I was not being able to go to sleep. My brain wouldn't turn off at night. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I decided to look, you know, read little bubble gum online. The trouble was everything I looked at had been me and Wanda, Star Trek, Star Wars, Wild Wild West, everything. We, we grown up in fandom together. We introduced each other to everything, you know. Yeah, and it just made it worse. It just made it worse. And I was looking at Star Trek, wondering if I really wanted to try. And below it, I saw Starsky and Hutch. And I remember my, my younger sister was into that when it was first on. And I remember seeing some episodes. Mostly I remembered, well, these were kind of nice looking guys, you know. And I definitely remembered it was a 70s show where everything worked out in the end. So, uh -huh. you know, how I figured that was safe. And started reading the shorter ones when I could, just you know, the general ones kind of thing. And as it progressed, it got to be a good way for me to just let my brain relax and turn off at the end of the night. And mm -hmm. then I ran across yours. And like I said, I, I didn't get into Kirk, Spock, Slash. So I wasn't, you know, but oh my God, ST3. I started looking, for, it was pigs in space is what it was. And <laughs> first I was finding all the science fiction references. Thank you, by the way. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then it got, I, I realized love, how, I loved writing that story. Yeah, I, thank you. I, I started catching well, I all mean, the, you know. If you the, think about because if you think about it, if you think about it, like there's, I mean, there are so many science fiction nerds in fandom, right? Mm -hmm. And but there's so little science fiction in fandom, you know, like I I don't know why that is, but there's no, there's not a lot of like hard science fiction in fandom. And I, I don't I don't understand. I mean, people write a lot of fluff. They write a lot of romance and they write a lot of, you know, they write a lot of sex. But why can't we have both? <laughs> 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 you know, and so that was that was well, the, the, that was the amazing thing is yeah <laughs> the amazing thing now is people are getting their masters and their doctorates studying stuff like this <laughs> in fanfic. <laughs> it just blows my 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 hippie <laughs> mind that people can actually get doctorates in this now, you know, <laughs> and and it's just I love it I love it I love it. I'm glad it was there for glad my tentacle fic was there for you at a difficult time in your life. Well, the thing was, I started reading that. I started reading that at like midnight, okay, uh, in my hotel room. And I figured the people next door must have thought I was drunk or stoned or something because I, I've got a pillow hugged my mouth laughing. And I would laugh. I would laugh. And I'd stop and I'd start, I'd reread something and start laughing again. And I kid you not, it had to be three days later before it suddenly hot me in the head. Oh, shit. I just read tentacle porn. 
yeah, I yeah. don't know. That's 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 an insult. That's not not an insult. Everything else was so good about it. I did not realize what was going on. <laughs> well, you know what's really funny is that at the time, Flamingo, like, okay, so Flamingo had to have a zine devoted to AU in Starsky and Hutch fandom because there was so little AU in Starsky and Hutch fandom that she basically had to solicit people to write AUs in Starsky and Hutch because nobody was writing them. And so that's what Timeless was. Like she was trying to encourage people to write AUs in Starsky and Hutch. In other fandoms, everyone was writing AUs. In Starsky and Hutch, nobody was writing anything but canon or canon departures, right? Like, like what ifs in canon, but just basically straight canon. And so she, she, you know, she developed Timeless as an effort to get people to, you know, break the boundaries a little bit. And so uh, when Timeless 2 was coming out, she came to me and she said, would you write me an AU for Timeless 2? And I was like, oh, of course, you know, like, well, why not? That, what a great idea. You know, I'll, I'll go big. I'll write a space opera. And she was like, well, you don't have to do anything, really. And I'm like, no, no, I'll write a space opera. It'll be great. And then I figured as long, you know, go big or go home, as long as I'm writing a space opera, it'll be a tentacle fic. And, like, seriously, like, really, the reason that I decided to make it a tentacle fic was in in honor of, if you want to call it that, <laughs> in, in deference to, in in homage really <laughs> of all of those KNS stories where Spock had like, I don't know, like a many petaled uh, or or orchid shaped blooming penis thing. That I knew I would never get to write, but I always wanted, I was jealous of like all these KS writers <laughs> who could write these like Spock penises that were just blooming and, and writhing in his nest of pubic hair. And I was like, oh, I want to write it. <laughs> you know, I really respect people who know what they want and go out and write what they want. <laughs> I'm like, this is my, this is my big chance, you know? And I didn't tell Flamingo anything about it. Like I handed that thing. Okay. To, oh, and I also, I also, I also begged, I begged the artwork, you know, and I got this fantastic artist, Selena, to do this amazing artwork, you know, for it, like seventies, cool, you know, cool, cool ass bell bottoms, you know, cool space gun, you know, kind of artwork. And I submitted it to Flamingo without telling her a single fucking word about <laughs> Hutch's tentacle penis. <laughs> and it, really, there's no, there, you, if you've read, and you've read the story, there's no hint <laughs> that it's coming. So. <laughs> I mean, he's keeping a secret and, and Starsky really thinks he knows what the secret is, but he <laughs> yeah there's my partner secretly an alien and then there's that <laughs> well and also also it was kind of a it was kind of a dig too like it was a little bit of a dig at the fandom 
the fandom when I joined it, because I joined it after the, it's an old school fandom, right? And so there were the old school fans who'd been in it, entrenched in it in the old days when it was a zine fandom only and then a mailing list fandom only. And then, you know, and then I bop along in 2004 when already people are, you know, doing live journal and stuff like that. And it was an internet stage fandom. And these old school writers were very, I want to say kind of, well, they're more than a little homophobic. Like some of the writing in the, in the older days were just a little bit um, stereotypical about, about gay issues. And, and so, you know, they would make it, just be this really big, huge, huge, you know, shameful, uh, uh, internal, internalized homophobia all the time, all the, you know, 24 seven, um, being the issues that, that confronted the guys, you know, and I just got so tired of it, you know, like I just, I wanted there to be a little bit more complexity and, and a little less shame in their, interactions and in their uh, romantic uh, conflicts. And so I was kind of poking fun a little bit at the whole, like, you know, there's more to being uh, closeted than, than internalizing your homophobia. There's a lot more complexity to coming out than turning that inward, you know? And so I wanted his secret to be more about, about something more than just him being gay, you know? And so I, I wanted, I wanted to sort of poke fun. Of, I wanted to poke a little bit of fun at, at that trope. I, I think that's one of the reasons I loved it. It wasn't, yeah, no breast beating, no, no, oh my God, just. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so that was a little bit, that was a little bit of that in there too. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like mean poking. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a comedy for crying out loud, but, um, but it was also yep. just a little bit of, you know, Hey, he's not ashamed. He's got, he's got a tentacle penis and he uses it to save them. <laughs> <laughs> he literally uses it to get them out of a tight space. <laughs> so yes. Anyway, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I I mean, how can I put this? I don't care what you were thinking. I'm just glad you wrote it. <laughs> I'm glad you liked it. It didn't receive a hugely positive reception across the board when I when I came out with it, but I didn't really care. The people I cared about liked it, so that was good. I drum it all the time on our slash Facebook group. So. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I think it's a good way for 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 people to get you know a laugh and we do have i mean star trek star wars we have a lot of crossovers like seven you know kind of fandoms oh yeah do you guys so yeah so wait so there's a lot of crossovers now in starsky and hutch not written but a lot of fans of media science fiction um let's see science fiction crossovers i've oh, okay. seen Torchwood, Quantum Leap, Quantum Leap, uh, Star Wars, Person of Interest, Star Trek, and I'm currently fiddling around with one with uh, Doctor Who. Nice. Are there any um, Sentinel 
Sentinel. Uh, yes. Oh, awesome. Because that's another, that's another and, oh, uh, um, fusion. A Stargate. Oh, really? I know huh. of at least one Stargate. But I don't think it's Slash. I go read that one. I always have to go look. I always have to go back and look because my Slash goggles are firmly attached. Well, so Starsky and Hutch Jen is is often almost half slash. So. Oh, come on. Uh, some yes. of the older gen, yeah, some of the older gins, they're all over each other even more than a slash scene. <laughs> well, and that... I, I admit I kind of like that, like Jen hurt comfort type stories that are like almost slash. I, I mean, I prefer slash. Called... I seek out slash first. That's called smarm. smarm. I love smarm. <laughs> I have, I have. I do too, and a lot of people look down on Smarm, but it's—I love it. It's so charming that they'll be like cuddling each other and. <laughs> oh baby! Oh tender baby! <laughs> cuddling each other. Yeah. What well, I what don't remember this, which one, but it was pretty damn close to basically a a, a, a tongue bath. Um, the, show itself, the show itself was Smarm. The show itself was, it was. straight right. Smarm. I mean, the way that the way that Starsky cuddles. Touch his head in in the one where he's trapped in, under the car for ages. When Starsky finally oh, catches yes. up, and he and he cuddles survival. his head in survival, or or in um, a fix when he strokes his oh neck. Oh my god! It's oh so intimate. You never see a character like touching another character's neck like that. Yeah. Let's not mention beforehand that Hutch gets a pretty good grip around Starsky's upper thigh. <laughs> <laughs> and even in in uh calling for starsky starsky gets a pretty good grip on Hutch's upper thigh they're but, all over uh, each other oh yeah they're all over each other we that show is such a treasure somebody did a video and at the end they do the survival bit where he starts to to cuddle Hutch's head just cradle it <laughs> and it switches to hand-drawn animation and he kisses hutch oh I don't think I've seen that one, so you should link it to me, too. Okay. That would be the appropriate thing to do if you were a true friend. <laughs> <laughs> I don't move his head. He might have a neck injury, but kissing him, that's okay. <laughs> too move. late. Don't move his I mean, their first day, I mean, yeah, their first day consisted of, of you know, miracle <laughs> cures. So. Yeah. He has a magical dick. He doesn't need to... <laughs> Worry about spinal injuries for crying out loud. Oh my god, is that one of the, the uh, advantages of Hutch's tentacle dick? <laughs> His sperm is an immuno booster booster or something. Well, as as much as I love pigs pigs in space, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about Nine Day Fall, since oh, I think that's I think that's one of the popular. most fandom yes. favorite stories. Yeah, okay. most popular. Okay, wow, you guys are really digging into the into the trauma induced stories, aren't you? Okay, so oh. Nine Day Fall was written when my mom was in the ICU after <laughs> surgery, and I literally wrote that um, on a pilot with a collapsible keyboard. Wow. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of the complaints that that Starsky had post surgical were coming from my mom. Like just uh, a lot of the trauma that Hutch was complaining about, you know, that he couldn't go through it again, um, were 
straight from my stay with my mom in that three weeks uh, in the ICU, um, waiting for her to, you know, I don't know, either kick the bucket or <laughs> or recover. But it was it was a really it was a really traumatic time. And so I wrote I wrote Hutch from this perspective of someone who, like me, uh, had been caregiving someone that they cared about tremendously and had been worried out of their mind. And once that person was back on their feet, just couldn't couldn't deal with the, the idea of facing that trauma again. I know that a lot of people think that Starsky should go straight back to work after after Gunther, right? There's a definitely a sense of um in the star in the fandom that Starsky should always just, you know, hop right back into the onto the saddle and go right back to work. Um but for me I just thought what would happen if I were being realistic for once, right? What would happen if I were to be realistic and and treat Starsky's uh, wounds as if, you know, this were the real world. And what normally happens is someone who goes through that amount of physical trauma, the police department says, well, thanks you for, thank you for your service, but you're done, right? We'll, we'll give you your pension and we'll give you your, we'll give you your rehab and, and sayonara. And so for Starsky, uh, the idea that, that he couldn't be what he, had always wanted to be what he what was core to his identity is unthinkable, right? I mean, it would it would crash anyone into a deep depression. And so, on one hand, you've got Hutch who can't face the idea of you know the trauma of seeing Starsky out on the street again. And so he's from his character arc, he's incredibly concerned about Starsky's health and mental health. But he also is torn because he doesn't want to see Starsky or any any partner of his to go through that again. And on Starsky's side, he is incredibly depressed and has to rebuild his life from scratch. He has nothing to hold on to. And he has jealousy because Hutch is still on the case. And he's blind to the fact that Hutch has also lost one half of, of himself. He's lost Starsky as his partner. What is it like being a cop without Starsky as his partner? I mean, the two of them were two halves of a whole. They weren't two individuals. So, you know, writing the story, I when I tried to, and I, I made a huge mistake with this story in, in changing tenses. Uh, I think it was like three quarters of the way through. Um, and I don't, to this day, I don't understand why I decided to do that. It, I think I was like trying to do this sort of, it's a brand new day kind of thing where I, I changed the, I don't know why I did it like that, but, um, please say I did not notice. Okay. Well then I'm glad, <laughs> um, in any event, um, but what I was trying to do was trying to express that. When I was writing the story, I was it was really complex for me because and I know people generally don't like the first person, right? They don't like stories that are written in first person. Um, but I thought if I did it right, if I truly concentrated on getting Starsky's voice right, 
that they would fall for not really giving a damn what was going on with Hutch because he didn't have the energy because he couldn't have the energy. And then I tried to lift the layers of Starsky's depression one tiny sliver at a time with the things that he was doing, with the, the very small steps that he was taking or that were. At this point, the software we were using to record the interview stopped recording. So hence the short pause and regrouping that you are about to hear. I can't remember what I was saying. I was saying something about um, how how hard it was to write Nine Day Fall. Oh, right. It was really difficult, obviously, because I was really depressed at the time myself. But but it was actually really, uh, uh, it was good for me because I made Starsky, you know, I made him uh, go through therapy and, and, and uh, find a new a new purpose and a new life and, and obviously find Hutch. And in the process, obviously Hutch also finally revealed what he was going through at the same time. And there was, and, and Hutch's catharsis was also my catharsis because the thing is when you're a caregiver, you give your all to the other person. You, You don't necessarily take good care of yourself. And that was what was going on with Hutch. And that was what was going on with me at the time with my mom and, um, you know, you devote a lot of your attention to how they're doing and not, and you're not allowed to feel anything, right? They're the ones who's, who are going through something. You're not allowed to, you're not allowed to bitch about what you feel about it because it's not your, it's not your tumor, you know? And so you, you, you just keep going on and going on and going on and going on and and you go on until you can't go on anymore. And usually, hopefully that's when it's over. <laughs> and so that's what, how, what it was for Hutch. Like he, he did it. He held on as long as he could until it was over, you know, and then he fell apart. And so um, that's, you know, that's life, man. I don't know. That's, I think that's why the story, I think that's why the story is popular because both characters had a true arc and and both of them found great you know i don't know great help in each other what inspired you to to use um learning to fly a plane uh it was something that my brother gave to me that year for my birthday ah he gave pilot me flight lessons lesson. he gave me a pilot lesson wow that's a great gift yeah. A lot of my stuff comes from my life, you know. Um, I think the other one that was popular was uh, Paint It Gray. Yeah, that one's that one's very popular, too. Some yes. similar themes, I think. Which one? Uh, Paint It Gray Hutch basically bugs out. Oh, right. Like he can't. Right, right. And so that was, yeah, that was, that was the same period with, with my mom. Um, uh, same time, same time period, uh, same, same issues with her in the hospital and, and complaining about the pillow being too hard. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, no, mom, you just had, you just had brain surgery. It's not the pillow that's too hard. Uh, but yeah, no. So what, what inspired that? Uh, well, and that was sort of taking that, that whole thing about Hutch finding it too difficult to face the trauma of, of, seeing Starsky shot again, but, 
but also Starsky finding it like, and this is this is another theme that I think that I've explored in other stories where you you have this legacy information. Everyone has legacy information in their heads about what they want with their lives, and they they think that they want it. Like they they put this dream together, and then the years pass and their lives change and they still retain this legacy dream and they don't realize that their dreams have changed, that their needs and wants have changed. And, and in fact, you, you got to catch up to yourself. You have to catch up to your, to your wants and your desires as they have changed. And for Starsky, I think that that he was a little bit slow catching up to his legacy of what he wanted and Hutch already knew what he wanted but thought he could never have it. And, um, and he certainly knew what he didn't want. Um, and I think that he was callous in the way that he acted. And I think that he could have communicated better. But I also think that Starsky wasn't in a place where he could hear it because he still was holding on to legacy. And so they both had to sort of go through a, a growing period first before they would reach that um understanding so so that's why i, I said it timed you know in, in media res to where that time had sort of passed but they could both work through it then i think it's the working through both of them it's the working through as individuals and and former partners kind of thing that really touches with most fans yeah yeah, because it's, who wants yeah. to who wants to who wants to spend time with them apart? You know, that's never that's never interesting to me. I want to spend time <laughs> with them together, right? So I do I do away with the time apart as much as I can, and and just spend the time together. You know, well, I could really identify with several of the secondary characters in Painted Gray. I mean, it's like small town. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were fun. That was fun making making some OCs for that. I, I'm glad you liked them. I I did. Too many people, um, I guess, are trying to stick to the TV show, but a lot of the secondary characters are very cardboard and pop up and down, like a whack-a-mole, as needed. And yours just kind of they they were very multi-dimensional and for me very identifiable. But like oh, my husband said, I, I grew up in Podunk, Tennessee, so. Yeah, well, they, I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't like having cardboard OCs. Like, I like them to, to have, you know, I would like them having, like, a little bit of an internal life that you can, that you can sense the edges of, you know, like, you can, you can see them, you know, you can see it's sort of a corner that they, you know, that they've got a, a broke down car that, <laughs> that they're, you know, uh, teasing along that they've been teasing along for way too long. Maybe Hutch offers offers you know Dottie a ride every so often, or you know, like I don't know that that there are interactions that go on that you can see the strings, you can see the the threads between them, um, and that you can give you can include the reader about those strings. You don't have to like spend you know fifty million lines of of writing to include the reader that there are the connection it just takes a line or two or a thought or two uh to 
to make those connections real and evident. And, and that gives the depth that's necessary. The reader fills it in the rest of the way, and that is enough. Um, but you have to put them in there, you know, otherwise, yeah, they're not, they're, it's, it's a cardboard world, you know. Well, uh, I'd like to actually ask you a bit about vidding. Was Starsky okay. Hush the first fandom you vidded in? Yes. Yes, and, and all of my vids are low qual output. I have them in high high qual somewhere. I could output them again, but I, I've learned so much more about about output now. Um about you know putting out higher quality. because uh, I love vidding. I should do more of it. Do you have a favorite Starsky and Hutch vid that you made? I you know, I still I still go back to you make me feel so young. It's a Frank Sinatra song. And um, I think I did a pretty good job bidding that. Was there any particular topic you wanted to talk about or a story you wanted to talk about or anything like that? A story that I would... If you want to talk about the Starsky and Hutch fandom more generally. Well, things have definitely changed some. Um, aside from Slash, it's a little more experimental. We're still not quite as as fad hopping on fic as some of the fandoms are but as, uh, ba- as bad hop you mean like the head hopping is is good uh, or kind of like um you go to go look at some fandoms and whatever is running around uh de-aging um oh god I, um abo there's there's always something running around that you know that that Everybody in the fandom seems to write a. a oh no! Is there ABO in Starsky and Hutch? There's one. There's no! one ABO pick for Starsky and Hutch. No! But hey, you wrote you wrote Hutch with a prehensile dick. So I know, I know, I got no, I got no, nowhere to stand. It's just oh no. Oh look, don't tell me. I don't want to know who the Omega is. <laughs> oh no. Um. <laughs> Don't I tell me. Tell, I don't want to know. I don't want to tell you. Know. Oh my god. That brings to mind though. There's definitely like when I was in the fandom, there was a a preponderance of people who felt that only one or the other could be a bottom, that sort of thing. And I always felt that that was very uh you know, limiting? like limiting. Yeah. And and kind of misogynistic, you know, for for reasons that are pretty obvious. Um, and also, like you know, like I think that so what what you what you do in your fantasy life is what you do in your fantasy life. Like I understand that. Like I understand that people, you know, when they're and I did a, a panel during one of the Starsky and Hutch conventions. I did a panel on this um, just to get an idea of of how people fantasize when they when they write sex scenes and they read sex scenes um to get an idea of of you know do people you know if you were a camera in the room and you're fantasizing about the guys during a sex scene you know are you a wangle are you viewing them from far away are you in one of their you know in one of their Faces looking at one of them, looking at the other one. Are you looking at both of them? Are you in their head? Both of their heads? 
Are you in both of their heads at once? Are you one of the other of the guy in their minds? You know, like, do you have a favorite that you stick in their head more than the other head? You know, like, do you, does it depend on the scene? Does it depend on the story? Does it depend on the position that they're in? Does it depend on um, what is happening in the bedroom? What is it, does it happen? Does it depend on what's happening in, you know, the story uh, emotions wise? You know, like all sorts of questions. And what it came down to was that it really, it's different for all sorts of people, different for all sorts of situations. There's no one way that people enjoy sex scenes. There's no one way that they enjoy, um, even people who say that, you know, Starsky categorically belongs on top or Starsky categorically belongs on bottom when they, when they, would or vice versa when they would write their um survey survey answers they they you know they changed their they changed their story when they when they actually wrote their answers to the survey because it depends on the situation so uh they had definitely people definitely had a preference but they also but some people claim not to have any preference at all so and then, of course, the ace, there are people who are ace and, and don't read the sex scenes, but then there are also people who are ace and do read the sex scenes and and have no preference at all or do have preferences. It was just wild to read the survey answers. So I guess when it comes down to it, I, yeah, I find it very limiting to say one way or the other, you know. And, of course, I also find it homophobic and misogynistic to say, that one or the other person, you know, belongs on top or belongs on the bottom or whatever. And obviously, um, you know, the gay community is going to have something to say about that as well. So, yeah. I, uh, I, I 100% agree that it's yes limiting and homophobic to say one belongs on top or bottom, but I will note that in a couple of your stories, I think you write a bit of a, sub hutch and uh do you see hutch having uh some sub tendencies um well and again like this this just relates to my own my own personal preferences but i think that that what you are in the sack doesn't reflect on what you are in real life and so like i don't think that that is a I mean, he might be he might be subby in the sack, but I don't think that that matters. Yeah, I just meant in the sack. Yeah, well, and yeah, I mean, but again, I don't I don't think he is a sub in the sack, like per se. Like I think that that's just the way I like him. You know, like someone, some another writer might say the exact opposite. I know that Flamingo totally loves uh, Starsky on top, and would write write Starsky on top, you know, all the time, just because that's her preference. But that doesn't mean that, you know, another writer might write, you know, something else. Like, I, I mean, I just, because that's, because, no, because, mean, because, because, well, for me, it's because I write my sex scenes when I'm, you know, in the sack myself. So, <laughs> you know, no, whatever. I, just, I, like, I also prefer, um, you know, I, I generally prefer Starsky on top, but like, if I'm writing a story in my head, I think, well, they switch off and on, but I prefer Starsky and top. But when I'm reading a story, 
I feel like a lot of authors do switch them up, but I can still kind of tell which one they prefer on top or on bottom. And yeah. like, yeah, I got that sense from Flamingo, despite never having heard her say that. And despite her writing it both ways. Um, right. Right. Well, I and also, I, I mean, I, I also find that since, since my Starsky and Hutch days, I've definitely changed the way that I write sex scenes in that I, I tend to be more like, I tend to make what happens in, in the sack more like dependent on what happens in the story more. But even so, like, I've always based the sex scene on what happens in the story. And I just happen to always write stories where Hutch is in a particularly vulnerable place and and needs that reassurance. Like, to me, that is a reassuring position to be in, you know, like, to have someone take care of you, to be, to be on the bottom is to have someone take care of you you're not you're not you're not having to exert control and and take care of the other person and make sure that they are comfortable and that they are not feeling any discomfort or that they're enjoying themselves right so yeah. so it might be because i have a preference towards hutch so i you know i tend to write plots generally that are more focused on him so that's just gonna be what happens you know like generally um but then i also i also felt like in in the fandom that that there is definitely a lot of focus on starsky and so like i was like the little salmon swimming upstream and <laughs> i always i always wanted to be like you know like i'll be the one person who's just focusing more on hutch and maybe i'll balance it out a little bit you know well i'm mostly hutch girl myself but <laughs> You know, in, in you see in canon and then you see in a lot of fandom, Hutch has got a, a kind of a white knight syndrome. Mm -hmm. He, you know, takes yeah. care of the kid. He he hugs Edith. He, he uh, you know. And so having Starsky to take charge a little, take care of him, might be something for me that Hutch just kind of craves. He's not the strong one. Are not always a strong one. He can let go and let let that Starsky take care of him. Right, right. And Starsky tends to be more of the little kid in in their relationship, right? He's he's sort of the you know the bouncy one who who. I mean, like your the, your he, um your 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 one with the uh, Jiffy Lube. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. That that fits my Starsky to right. the T. You know, so yeah, yeah, that's just you know. I think that's one of the reasons I enjoy so much of your stuff, even if I didn't remember. And I, it was, it was a good year, maybe a year and a half when I started reading these that I actually went ahead and got the DVDs and got familiar with the, with the episodes again. Many of mm -hmm. which I had no memory of, but yeah, it just <laughs> your Starsky and Hutch fit with the canon Starsky and Hutch to me, so. I'm glad. Um, uh, okay, may I ask a question? Yeah, of course. Do, do you have uh, professional or fic, or professional or fanfic authors that you can point to as an influence on you? Oh, well. Aside from H. Bean Piper. 
<laughs> I love H. Bean Piper. I love um, Piper. Oh, my God. Uh, so it's been an influence on me. Because, I mean, I, I hugely love Douglas Adams, um, uh, Pat Cadigan, Sherry Tepper, um, you know, just classic science fiction authors like uh, um, uh, Walter Tevis. Um, but if you ask me, like, influence definitely like Douglas Adams and humor humor authors like Ron Goulart, um, get, you know, everyone that I mentioned, Harlan Ellison, everyone that I mentioned in that, um, in the opening of Pigs in Space. Um, yeah, just, I was a huge, huge, huge science fiction fan growing up. I haven't been reading as much science fiction lately. Uh, I love Martha Wells. I absolutely adore Martha Wells. I don't know if you've read any of her, uh, Murderbot books or her oh god you have to read her Murderbot stories oh my oh, yeah. god they're so funny and they're so so brilliant uh, but also her Cloud Road I love her Cloud Road series it's so beautiful and so 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 funny and so wonderful and the and the world building in it is so fantastic and I would say that yeah she's influenced my writing a lot um but yeah, in terms of like, I, I mean, a lot of humor writers, like, God, I, I feel like there's a big black hole where I should say a name. <laughs> Terry Pratchett? Um, no, you know, I never read any Terry Pratchett. Oh. Um, or, or, or Neil Gaiman. I've never read either, either one of those guys. There was something about them that I always okay. found a little off-putting. Um, I did read... Uh, what's her name? I have to go reach up on my shelf. You see, I'm, I'm taking a lot of migraine medications and they seem to get, they seem to hack through all of my proper nouns. So I, I don't have any names. Like names have just, you know, That's been fine. eradicated. I mean, you, you've named several people. But Douglas Adams is my absolute favorite drawing. Well, other, other question, why haven't you done a, a Stargate, Starsky and Hutch crossover? Crossover. Mm-hmm. Um, well, because the times are so different, uh, you know, like one is one is in Kodachrome and the other is in, I don't know what you call it, you know, video or whatever, like, like, I just don't see them together. Um, yeah. You know, like, I, I, the way that I block my stories, I actually see them, you know, like I. I, I move them around, I see them, or or I feel them. I it, it's kind of like a combination of two things. Like I I see feel uh, them in the room with me when I'm blocking things. You know, you, how do you guys block scenes? Like Monica, you don't um, usually I usually start at point A and then just write linearly and don't think ahead too much. <laughs> Well, no, and then I, I have I to go back and like add details. I, well, no, I don't. And that's not what I'm talking about. Like when I'm writing like a scene, like they're they're in the room, they're in the room, right? They're mm -hmm. in the room. Two, three people, four people, whatever. They're in the room. They're in space. They're in they're in physical the physical space of the room. So I feel them in the room. I see them too. Like sort of, I see I visualize them in the room, right? And so. 
that way they don't bump into each other or or knock over the lamp right so uh -huh. i know i know where they are when i start the scene and then uh that's the blocking for me like and so um you know and then hutch you know hutch goes over to the to the bathroom or to the to the to the refrigerator and he leans his elbow on the refrigerator and you know and i feel it physically like i feel it physically that he's leaning on the refrigerator but i also know that he's there i see him there and then starsky you know starsky leans his ass on the you know on the arm of the the couch so i know where he is too i see him but i also feel his ass on the couch so i feel where he is and i feel where hutch is and they're talking right and so i know where they are physically and so when they're talking and, and what they're doing i know where they are in space and and i feel them so if i'm going to put like john shepherd in there is he in his tax suit like that's just weird you know like or is he in jeans and and a okay he's in jeans and a so but he's in 1970 you know he's in 1981 now or how is john shepherd in this scene like you know like i just is he in the on the shag carpeting really is he kissing hutch oh wait no stop what <laughs> <laughs> how tall tall they're he's about to and bam there's a plot buddy wait he's short he's too short to no okay stop no see see you know what i'm saying like, <laughs> well, like i think like, starsky saw that Ooh. yeah no poor starsky no but the thing is like they, they their colors don't match i guess is what i'm trying to say like the the starsky and hutch is ah. in kodachrome and and yeah their colors don't match isn't that weird like i just can't match like it's so funny like sometimes when i'm trying to read a crossover i just can't do it because the film stock doesn't match <laughs> And what I you're saying, that. but at the same time, no, I, I don't. When, when I was saying in response to your blocking that I just start writing, it's like I, I don't even picture them in my head. I'm just trying to find the words. Really? No, not yeah. really. I have to hear, I have to hear their I have voice. To, sometimes I have to flip over to uh, hear their yeah, voices, I hear and sometimes them. I flip over to uh, Mort Muir's blog to say, okay, there's the couch, and there's the, the lamp. There's the yeah, lamp. there's the couch. There's there's the lamp. There's where the refrigerator is, and and God help us if you know if the ferns are in the way. <laughs> Goddamn ferns! <laughs> but yeah, I have to hear their voices too. And so yeah, no, I mean, what would you propose for a crossover? Like what what uh, year would what year would it be? When did Stargate SG One start? I'm bad at that. Nineteen ninety. 1995, 1995, something like that. Let me go look. I've never seen Atlantis, but I know there was an episode of SG-1 where they went back to 1969 so they could meet uh, rookie Starsky and Hutch or pre-Police uh, Academy Starsky and Hutch. Yeah, but I, I don't write SG-1. That's fair. I mean, I write, I, I do write Jack O'Neill. I have him make mm. cameos in Stargate all the time because I love Jack O'Neill. Um, I don't write SG one. Okay. Well, well. I don't Starsky know. Is, I don't know. The, I don't know the rest of their voices. Starsky is really into Stargate and SG one and Stargate Atlantis and all this, and he just has a nice fantasy about Hutch and Jack O'Neill on the shag carpet in their apartment. 
there was a Starsky and Hutch story that you still wanted to write. Is that true? Yes, I do have. I have a couple, actually. I have have more than one still in a, in a folder. She wants to hear me big. Uh, well, you'll have to pick one. Hold on. Go look at my network folder. Well, please hold. Scrolling. Starsky and Hutch. Here we go. She's so organized. I am terribly organized. Three nuns? I think I wrote three <laughs> nuns, didn't I? Doesn't sound familiar um, to me. No. Um, I'm opening it. Yes, I did. Three, three nuns and a pound of hashish. I don't remember what was that. The, what was the name of the I, nun? What was the name of the nun who had possession of the statue? What I don't get is how they could stand to wear those black outfits in this heat. This is called Landslide, and it was published in. Maybe I need to. Well, you know what? I have a story that was in a zine, that hasn't been published. Oh no. <laughs> I think I just had an adrenaline spike. <laughs> okay. Wait, I let me find out if it has been published or not. I will go to fan lore. Did I write a story and never publish it? That's bad. Yeah. Oh, nice treat for your fans. <laughs> Wait, no, no, this is not right. This is not right. I know this has been published. I guess we could ask Flamingo. Flamingo would know, or it was published by Carrie T. I'm trying to think of any Starsky and Hutch I've read with a nun. Yeah, no, this is the one where, where Starsky's mom dies. Yeah, Starsky's mom dies. I'm sure I've, I'm sure I've published this one, haven't I? I do believe I've read a story of yours where Starsky's mom dies. I don't particularly remember a nun, but that doesn't mean there weren't any in there. I don't no, no, no. It was just for, that was just a quote from a from a uh, that was just a quote from a, a report that he was ah. printing. Oh, okay. Uh, I think it was like Bedrock is the one that was posted. Hmm. That was uh, yeah, three nuns and a pound of hashish. It's already online. Okay. Shifting sand. Huh. I never posted that one. And I never posted Veritas and Outside In that are still in zines that I can post online. What do you know? You hadn't posted Veritas because I bought that zine specifically so I could read it. <laughs> That's just sad, man. That's oh, just I mean, sad. There are other, it's not a very, it's not a very good story. <laughs> it's a perfect, it's a perfectly sweet story. I quite enjoyed it. It's, uh, and there are other great stories in that zine. So I do not, in the least, regret buying that zine. It's a great zine. Okay, I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> but I was actually sure. a bit curious. I don't know if you want to talk about. Um, you published a couple of your stories uh, through. Lulu, I think it's called. Yes, Lulu. I'm, I'm curious uh, what brought you to publishing stories through them. Um, okay, so there are two stories that I never planned to put online. One of them is called Porn, and it's a non-con 
story. And uh, I just don't want to put that online for obvious reasons. But people were begging for it. So I published one copy. And I, well, I first published it back during ShareCon in 2008, right? And, um, or 2004, actually. Uh, it was my first, my second, like the second story I ever wrote, ever. And this is another reason why I'm never going to put it online. <laughs> and so I, I published it uh, like 15 copies and I brought them with me to ShareCon in 2004. And I pre-sold like 10 of them and there were five left and people snapped them up at the con and that was it. And so... Then later on, people are like, what's this zine? I want some more copies. So I, um, I published some more through um, that press that has such a bad reputation. Um, uh, Agent, let's Yeah, they did a really crap job with the printing. And uh, okay, that's enough. No more. And, um, you know, and then instead what I did was I did that thing that's it's an ancient tradition where you have a traveling zine that just basically people mail it from one person to another to another. Sure. And it went really well. Like, like uh, it was really cute. It traveled all around the world and people, and I, all I asked is that people just, you know, if they were going to comment, just put like a little comment. Uh, I put like a little sticky folder and people put comments and put them in the folder and it was really cute. And um, so it went all the way around the world and it came back to me and, and that came out really well. Like, you know, like 10 or 15 people got to see it, got to read it and copy it if they wanted to. I put like the the binding, I made the binding uh, re-closable so they could open it up and make copies if they wanted to. And that way I didn't feel like I was, you know, they could, if they wanted it, they had, they, they could get it through the traveling library. And then uh, people asked for it again. And so it was such a success that I did it again. And then it hit some woman in Italy who just held on to it. And no matter how many times people emailed her and asked her when she was going to send it on, she didn't. She didn't respond to mail. She didn't send it on. So I was like, well, that's so much for that experiment. So, um, and then uh, people were like, well, you can't you just publish it again, like print it out again? And so I was like, okay, you know, I'll think about that. And then, and then uh, Terry Tompkins, Terry Tompkins said that she was done printing out Venice Place. I think it was the Venice Place Chronicles, uh, or no, the Venice Chronicles 7 or something, where uh, Jericho was printed. And Jericho, um, Jericho, Venice Place Chronicles 5. So that had timed out long ago. Like, in turn, you know, like you, you, you time out of a story in a zine, like after a year or two. But I told Terry long ago that as long as she was still printing the zine, I wouldn't print the story online. Um, because I didn't feel right about it. Because I knew that she continue to make money and zine so few people are publishing starsky and hodge zines that it didn't feel right to put a story online when it might be the only thing that would sell a zine right 
So I said, it doesn't, it, it, it's no skin off my teeth if I just leave it unpublished. But then Venice Place Chronicles 5 finally timed out. And that was like the last of my uh, stories with her. And I looked at, I looked at Jericho and I was like, you know, Jericho, it's, it's a novel. <laughs> and truthfully, at that point, I was kind of frustrated with Starsky and Hutch fandom in that, you know, I'm publishing these stories and not getting a lot of feedback for them. And I was like, you know, if they really want Jericho, a novel, <laughs> they can like, they can continue to pay for it. <laughs> like this is one story that I sweated blood over and never got a comment for in the zine, <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know, like whatever, you know, like I've given away so many stories I'm going to keep this one. So what I did was I offered Jericho and Torn through the Lulu Press. I'm like they can and, and and don't get me wrong. All the all the money from the both of the zines is going to the uh, San Francisco SPCA. So nice. I'm not making any money off of them. But if people want those two stories, they have to pay money to the SF SPCA. <laughs> Otherwise, every other story I've ever written is free online. <laughs> Seems fair. <laughs> Doesn't it? Actually, Monica did a, a comment bingo a couple of months ago, trying to encourage people to leave comments. We're, I guess our fandom's bad about that. I, I don't know. We're probably pretty average as far as fandoms go. Are we? Well, I don't know. I think it's worse with zines. I think people might it's leave more really comments than AO3. It's really yeah. shitty with zines. I have to tell you, like, for some reason, people think if you publish a zine story, they don't have to comment on it, even though they've never read it before. I don't know why that is, but it's true. Honestly, I, at least for me, I think it's it comes from the age of when this was all so damn secretive. Yeah. You know, you might meet somebody finally at a convention and, and do a little something, but you didn't leave a paper trail anywhere. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jericho is just, I love Jericho. I sweated blood on that story. I love though. Jericho. I will hear not, hereby comment, I love Jericho. Thank you very much. But I've been thinking lately that I should I should probably publish Jericho, just because not everyone can read paper, you know? That's a good point. As someone whose apartment is reaching critical mass, not, not everyone can buy yet one more zine. <laughs> well, I, I can't read paper anymore. That's why, I, that's why I said it. My favorite story... What is my favorite story? I really like Caught Lightning. Ah. There, are two stories, there are two stories I really like. There's the one where uh, Hutch is asleep in a coma and Starsky <laughs> Starsky is trying to make him wake up. Yes, he shaves the mustache. He shaves the mustache out of trying <laughs> to provoke him to wake up. Yes. Which I really liked. <laughs> One other question. This Saturday, yes. May 15th will be the 42nd yep, 42nd anniversary of the American showing of Sweet Revenge. So, oh, okay, yeah, an episode by the way that I've never seen. 
<laughs> oh my god <laughs> i just couldn't bear to see it i couldn't bear to watch the final wow. episode of the series no wow. i couldn't I do that all the time where I'm like, I can't watch the final episode of this show. Then it'll be over. And I was going to ask you if you remembered your first Sweet Revenge viewing, but. No, I've never seen it. Yeah. Okay. I've never seen it. I've only That's seen, still I've a only, legitimate answer. I've only seen bits that I've seen in vids, right? Actually, now that you mention it, if you've seen a fair number of vids, you've probably seen a fair amount of that episode. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've seen all the important bits, right? Yeah, of course. Well, I've got another question for you then. Okay. In Sweet Revenge, at the end, uh, Dobie, Huggy, and Hutch sneak food into Starsky's hospital room. Yes. Lamb of some Um, kind, right? Veal and kind of a, a, what is that, a deli platter? And yeah. some wine. And I'm asking people, if you were to, to join the potluck, what would you bring? Uh, to, to st- oh, I would totally bring a hamburger for him. Because he doesn't want all that shit. He just wants a cheeseburger. <laughs> okay. And how would you sneak it in? How would it, in my pants, of course. I've got, to, my pants. A, I've got to ask a follow-up are you wanting him to go for it or are you going to hand it to me <laughs> I got a party in my pants stars <laughs> <laughs> and a bottle of beer in my in my back pocket for sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay you go for it you go for it he's a type <laughs> Well, that yeah. seems like a lovely note to end the interview on. Uh, <laughs> thank you so yeah, much this, for... This is going to need some judicious editing. <laughs> oh, that's fine. I'm I'm up for it. You want All a right. bet? <laughs> thank you so much for talking with us. It was so good to pick your brain about uh, your stories and your time in fandom. Thank Ooh. you, Molo. And yes, I will say it again. Your stories are very much appreciated and loved uh, and recommended. Well, thank you. I will try to put up some more. <laughs> if I've got me. <laughs> All right. You guys have a good one. You too. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.